ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So now then we come to another one of the supplications from the Adhkar al-Sabah. Inna min al-adhkar al-azimati al-jami'ati al-lati yustahabu lil-muslimi an yuwaziba alayha kulla sabahin an yaqul Subhanallah wa bihamdihi adada khalqihi ورضا نفسه وزينة عرشه ومداد كلماته One of the supplications, the great and comprehensive supplications that is recommended for a Muslim to continuously and consistently read in the morning supplications is Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi adada khalqihi wa rida nafsihi wa zinata arshihi wa midada kalimatihi wa thalika and we'll come to the explanation of all of those parts one by one وَذَلِكَ لِمَا رَوَى مُسْلِمٌ فِي صَحِيحِهِ عَنْ جُوَيْرِيَةِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ خَرَجَ مِنْ عِنْدِهَا بُكْرَةً حِينَ صَلَّى الصِّبْحِ وَهِيَ فِي مَسْجِدِهَا أي موضع صلاتها ثم رجع بعد أن أضحى وهي جالسة فقال ما زلت على الحال التي فارقتك عليها قالت نعم قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لقد قلت بعدك أربع كلمات ثلاث مرات لو وزنت بما قلت منذ اليوم لوزنتهن سبحان الله لوزنتهن Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi adada khalqihi wa rida nafsihi wa zinata arshihi wa midada kalimatihi. Salam. There is a narration in Sahih Muslim from Juwayriyah radiyallahu anha that on one occasion the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam exited from her early in the morning and prayed Fajr. And she was sitting in her place where she had prayed. And when the messenger returned back after mid-morning, she was still sitting. And so he said, you are still upon the same state that I left you upon. She said, yes. She had been sitting in that same place all morning since when she prayed. And so the Prophet ﷺ, when he came back mid-morning, he said, you're still in that same place? She said, she said yes. So the Prophet ﷺ said, لَقَدْ قُلْتُ بَعَدَكِ أَرْبَعَ كَلِمَاتٍ ثَلَاثَ مَرَّاتٍ لَوْ وُزِنَتْ بِمَا قُلْتِ مُنْذُ الْيَوْمِ لَوَزَنَتْهُنَّ that I said, the messenger said, I said after you four words three times. And if they were weighed with everything you said today, they would be of that weight. Just four words would be equivalent to everything. Subhanallahi wa bihamdi, adada khalqihi wa rida nafsihi wa zinata arshihi wa midada kalimatihi. فَهَذَا ذِكْرٌ عَظِيمٌ مُبَارَكٌ أَرْشَدَ إِلَيْهِ النَّبِيُّ 
صلى الله عليه وسلم وبين أنه ذكر مضاعف So this is a tremendous dua سبحان الله وبحمده عدد خلقه ورضا نفسه وزنة عرشه ومداد كلماته It is a tremendous dua which has multiplied dhikr within it يزيد في الفضل والأجر على مجرد الذكر بسبحان الله أضعافا مضاعفا And this particular supplication it is multiple times greater than just saying subhanallah لأن ما يقوم بقلب الذاكر حين يقوله من معرفة الله وتنزيهه وتعظيمه بهذا القدر المذكور من العدد أعظم مما يقوم بقلب من قال سبحان الله فقط Because a person who says this particular dua The meanings that are in this dua They will have an impact upon the heart of that person Greater than somebody who just says Subhanallah Compared to somebody who says Subhanallah wa bihamdihi Adada khalqihi wa rida nafsihi wa zinata arshihi ومداد كلماته والمقصود أن الله سبحانه يستحق التسبيح بذلك القدر والعدد كقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم and the point is that Allah سبحانه وتعالى deserves the تسبيح the glorification and freeing Allah from any deficiencies or shortcomings Allah is deserving of that to this level. كَقَوْلِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ مِلْأَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَمِلْأَ الْأَرْضِ وَمِلْأَ مَا بَيْنَهُمَا وَمِلْأَ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ شَيْءٍ بَعْدِ That our Lord, for you is all the praise, the fill of the heavens and the fill of the earth and the fill of everything in between them and whatever you wish after that too. وليس المراد أن العبد سبح تسبيحا بذلك القدر فإن, فإن فعل العبد محصور وإنما المراد ما يستحقه الرب من التسبيح فذاك الذي نعم So the point here is not that a servant has actually done that number of tasbihat But the point is, that is the amount that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of. فَذَاكَ الَّذِي يَعْظُمُ قَدْرُهُ So that is the amount by which the greatness of Allah is indicated. قَالَ الْعَلَّامَةُ بْنُ الْقَيِّمْ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ فِي شَرْحِ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ وَبَيَانِ مَا فِيهِ مِنْ لَطَائِفِ جَلِيلَةِ وَمَعَارِفِ عَظِيمَةِ Ibn al-Qayyim said regarding this particular narration and the meanings within it, وَهَذَا يُسَمَّى الذِّكْرُ الْمُضَاعَفِ This is known as the multiplied dhikr, the multifold dhikr. وَهُوَ أَعْظَمُ ثَنَاءً مِنَ الذِّكْرِ الْمُفْرَدِ And it is a greater form of praise to Allah than a singular dhikr. وَهَذَا إِنَّمَا يَظْهَرُ فِي مَعْرِفَةِ هَذَا الذِّكْرِ وَفَهْمِهِ And this is only apparent or becomes apparent in knowing this particular supplication and understanding it. فَإِنَّ قَوْلَ الْمُسَبِّحِ Because when the person doing this supplication says, سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَبِحَمْدِهِ عَدَدَ خَلْقِهِ تضمن إنشاء وإخبارا تضمن إخبارا عما يستحقه الرب من التسبيح عدد كل مخلوق كان أو هو كائن إلى ما لا نهاية له فتضمن الإخبار عن تنزيهه الرب وتعظيمه والثناء عليه هذا العدد العظيم هذا العدد العظيم الذي لا يبلغه العادون ولا يحصيه المحسون 
So the beginning of this supplication now then, when you say, Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi adada khalqihi. That Subhanallah and wa bihamdihi, that glory to Allah and Allah is free of all perfections and all praises to Allah, to the number of creations in His creation. To that amount of tasbih to Allah, to that amount Allah is deserving of you saying subhanallah, to that amount Allah is deserving of you saying alhamdulillah, to that amount Allah is deserving of the praise, to the amount of the number of creations in existence. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi adada khalqihi. To the amount of the number in creation. So that is not what you can actually do. You are never going to be able to do that many. To be equal to the number of things in creation. But it is an indication of the amount that Allah is deserving of nevertheless. Allah is deserving of that amount of praise equivalent to the numbers in creation. And obviously nobody can actually do that much. Nobody would actually be able to do that much supplication. But it is an indication of what Allah is deserving of. وَتَضَمَّنَ إِنْشَاءَ الْعَبْدِ لِتَسْبِيحِ أو لِتَسْبِيحٍ هَذَا شَأْنُهُ لَا أَنَّ مَا أَتَى بِهِ الْعَبْدُ مِنَ التَّسْبِيحِ هذا قدره عدد بل أخبر أن ما يستحقه الرب سبحانه من التسبيح هو تسبيح يبلغ العدد الذي لو كان في عدد ما يزيد عليه لذكر فإن تجدد المخلوقات لا ينتهي عددا ولا يحصل حاضر So this does not mean that it is even limited in that regard because in terms of the creation, they continue to, regen- uh, to uh, renew. So now all of the creation that exists, then after the creation dies, or some of them die, more are created and more exist. And after they die, more are created and more exist. So it is almost to say that if all of those numbers of praise could be done to Allah equivalent to those numbers, then it would be done and that is what Allah is deserving of. Then the second part of this supplication, وَرِضَى نَفْسِهِ وَهُوَ يَتَضَمَّنُ أَمْرَيْنِ عَظِيمَيْنِ أَحَدُهُمَا أَنْ يَكُونَ الْمُرَادُ تَسْبِيحًا هُوَ فِي الْعَظَمَةِ وَالْجَلَالِ مُسَاوٍ لِرِضَى نَفْسِهِ كما أنه في الأول مخبر عن تسبيح مساو لعدد خلقه ولا ريب أن رضا نفس الرب أمر لا نهاية له في العظمة والوصف. That you are now saying that the tasbih of Allah to say Subhanallah Alhamdulillah to do all of that praise to the level that is pleasing to Allah Himself. And what is pleasing to Allah Himself? There is no limit to that. There is no limit to that of that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this again indicates the greatness of the supplication you are making that it is an unrestricted, unlimited amount that you are recognizing Allah is deserving of even though you cannot do the unlimited amount of remembrance, you recognize and acknowledge and realize that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His greatness is deserving of. And then, وَزِنَةَ عَرْشِهِ The praise of Allah to the equivalent weight of the throne of Allah. To the weight of the throne of Allah. وَزِنَةَ عَرْشِهِ فِيهِ إِثْبَاتُ الْعَرْشِ This affirms the throne of Allah. وَإِضَافَتُهُ إِلَى الرَّبِّ عَزَّ وَجَلْ And that the throne is 
connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it is the throne of Allah, وَأَنَّهُ أَثْقَلُ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ عَلَى الْإِطْلَاقِ And that the throne of Allah is the heaviest of all of the creations. The throne of Allah is the heaviest of every creation, every created thing that there is. If لَوْ كَانَ شَيْءٌ أَثْقَلَ مِنْهُ لَوْزِنَ بِهِ التَّسْبِيحِ If there was something heavier than the throne of Allah from the creations, then that would have been mentioned in this hadith as the example instead. The fact that it mentions the praise of Allah to the level of the weight of the throne of Allah indicates the throne of Allah must be the heaviest thing in creation. Because the praise of Allah is at the top limit, at the top amount. So the example given must be the top amount. The heaviest thing mentioned is therefore the throne of Allah. If there was anything heavier, that would have been mentioned in the hadith instead. So this indicates the throne of Allah is the heaviest of all of the created things. فَالتَّضْعِيفِ الْأَوَّلْ لِلْعَدِدِ وَالْكَمِّيَّةِ وَالثَّانِي لِلصِّفَةِ وَالْكَيْفِيَّةِ وَالثَّالِثِ لِلْعِظَمِ وَالثِّقَلِ وَكِبَرِ الْمِقْدَارِ So here it is highlighting how the reward or how your praise of Allah is multiplied. Firstly, in number, to the number of those in creation. Secondly, in terms of the attribute and the description of it and the type of it. And that is the type that Allah is pleased with. And thirdly, the greatness of it and the weight of it, of that praise of Allah that it is, to the weight of the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indicating the greatness of that praise of Allah. And the fourth thing mentioned in the hadith, وَمِدَادَ كَلِمَاتِهِ مِدَادَ كَلِمَاتِهِ Meaning the ink for the words of Allah. As it mentions in the Qur'an, هَذَا يَعُمُّ الْأَقْسَامِ الثَّلَاثَةِ وَيَشْمَلُهَا فَإِنَّ مِدَادَ كَلِمَاتِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى لَا نِهَايَةَ لِقَدْرِهِ وَلَا لِصِفَتِهِ وَلَا لِعَجَدِهِ Because the ink for the words of Allah, there is no limit to it. قُلْ لَوْ كَانَ الْبَحْرُ مِدَادًا لِكَلِمَاتِ رَبِّي لَنَفِدَ الْبَحْرُ قَبْلَ أَنْ تَنْفَدَ كَلِمَاتُ رَبِّي وَلَوْ جِئْنَا بِمِثْلِهِ مَدَدًا In Surah Al-Kahf 109, Allah says, If the ocean, the sea, was ink for the words of my Lord, the sea would run out before the words of my Lord. If the sea was the ink for the speech of Allah, for the words of my Lord, then the sea would run out and the words of Allah would not run out. وَلَوْ جِئْنَا بِمِثْلِهِ مَدَدًا Even if we came with another ocean of that quantity, then still it would run out and the words of Allah would not run out. Uh, also it mentions, وَلَوْ أَنَّمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ مِنْ شَجَرَةٍ أَقْلَامٌ وَالْبَحْرُ يَمُدُّهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ سَبْعَةُ أَبْحُرٍ مَا نَفِدَتْ كَلِمَاتُ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Here it mentions about the trees being the pens and the seas with seven seas being the ink that even then the speech of Allah would not run out. Even then the words of Allah would not run out with all of those oceans being like the ink for those words of Allah. وَمَعْنَ هَذَا أَنَّهُ لَوْ فُرِضَ الْبَحْرُ مِدَادًا وَجَمِيعُ أَشْجَارِ الْأَرْضِ أَقْلَامًا وَالْأَقْلَامُ تَسْتَمِدُّ بِذَلِكَ الْمِدَادِ فَتَفْنَ الْبِحَارِ وَالْأَقْلَامُ وَكَلِمَاتُ الرَّبِّ لَا تَفْنَى وَلَا تَنْفَدْ So this ayah is giving the example that if all of the trees of the world were pens, 
and all of the oceans, the ocean and seven other oceans, they were ink. All of the trees would end up finishing, all of the oceans would end up finishing, but the words of Allah would not end. This is the example being given. وَالْمَقْسُودُ أَنَّ فِي هَذَا التَّسْبِيحِ مِنْ صِفَاتِ الْكَمَالِ وَنْعُوتِ الْجَلَالِ مَا يُوجِبُ أَنْ يَكُونَ أَفْضَلَ مِنْ غَيْرِهِ So that indicates that this particular dua, making tasbih of Allah, has a great virtue in it that other supplications do not. وَهَذَا وَقَدْ نَبَّهَ الْعُلَمَاءِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ إِلَىٰ أَهْمِيَّةِ مَعْرِفَةِ الْعَبْدِ بِمَعَانِي هَذِهِ الْكَلِمَاتِ وَاسْتِحْضَارِهِ لِدَلَالَاتِهَا أو لدلالتها وأنه بحسب ما يقوم بقلب العبد من هذه المعرفة والاستحضار يكون له من المزية والفضل ما ليس لغيره ويكون تأثير هذا الذكر فيه أبلغ من تأثيره من غيره وفي غيره the scholars have highlighted that these types of supplications, these types of du'as, it is important to understand the meanings of them and to remember the points, the meanings, the evidences being highlighted in these supplications when you read them. Because in accordance to the level of your recognition and understanding of those words and their meanings when you read the dua, then that is what will determine the effect for you. So there could be a person who reads these duas with the meaning and understanding and recognizing all of that in his heart. And there's another person who reads all of the duas but doesn't know what they mean and doesn't understand. The one who understands will have a greater impact and greater effect from those duas for him compared to the one who doesn't understand the meanings of what he's reading, then the impact for him will be less. وَمَنْ أَتَى بِهَذَا الذِّكْرِ أَوْ بِغَيْرِهِ مِنَ الْأَذْكَارِ الْمَأْثُورَةِ دُونَ اسْتِحْضَارِ مِنْهُ لِلْمَعْنَى وَلَا تَعَقُّلْ لِلْدَّلَالَةِ فَإِنَّ تَأْثِيرَ الذِّكْرِ فِيهِ يَكُونُ ضَعِيفًا So a person who doesn't know these meanings and doesn't understand these meanings and doesn't recognize the point of these du'as and comprehend what their purpose is and what they are saying, then the effect of those du'as for him will be minimal, will be very weak, even if he's reading them all every morning, every evening. If he doesn't understand what he's reading and comprehend, then the effect for him will be very weak. وَعَلَى كُلٍّ فَالْجَدِيرُ بِالْمُسْلِمًا يُوَاضِبَ عَلَى هَذَا ذِكْرِ الْمُبَارَكِ صَلَاحَ كُلِّ يَوْمِ so in any case, the point is a Muslim is supposed to strive in saying this dua every morning as well with the morning supplications. And to strive to remember the meanings and understandings of it when reading it. That then brings us on to the next chapter. Fadlus Sabah wa Barakatuh. The virtue of the morning time and the blessings in the morning time. Rawa al-Imam Muslim fi sahihah an Abi Wa'il Shaqiq ibn Salamah al-Asadi qal ghadawna ala Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu yawman ba'dama sallayna al-ghadat fasallamna bil-bab fa'udhina lana qal famakathna bil-babi hunayyah أي انتظرنا وتريثنا قليلا قال فخرج فخرج فخرجت الجارية فقالت ألا تدخلون فدخلنا فإذا هو جالس يسبح فقال ما منعكم أن تدخلوا وقد أذن لكم فقلنا لا إلا أن ظننا أن بعض أهل البيت نائم قال ظننتم بآل ابن أم عبد غفلة يعني نفسه فَإِنَّ أُمَّ عَبْدٍ الْهُذَلِيَّ أُمُّهُ وَهِيَ صَحَابِيَّةٌ رضي الله عنه وعنها قال ثم أقبل يسبح حتى إذا ظن أن الشمس قد طلعت قال يا جارية انظري هل طلعت قالت قال فنظرت فإذا هي لم تطلع 
فأقبل يسبح حتى إذا ظن أن الشمس قد طلعت قال يا جارية انظري هل طلعت قال فنظرت فإذا هي قد طلعت قال الحمد لله الذي أقالنا يومنا, يومنا هذا ولم يهلكنا بذنوبنا In this particular narration then in Sahih Muslim from Abu Wa'il Shaqiq ibn Salamah he says that we went to the house of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu in the morning one day after praying Fajr in the morning one day we went to his house and we knocked on the door and he gave us permission or permission was given to us to enter but they say we stayed at the door they knocked they got permission to enter but they stayed at the door then a young girl exited like the slave girl or, or, or the, uh, a young girl from the home exited and she said are you not going to come in So then they went in and they saw Abdullah ibn Mas'ud sitting doing tasbih. Sitting there doing the tasbih, subhanallah, doing the supplications. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said to them, what prevented you from coming in? Permission had been given to you. They said, we thought that maybe... The person of the house may have been asleep. We thought that the person of the house may have been asleep. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said to them, You thought that the family of the son of Umm Abd would be negligent? Meaning you thought that they would be asleep, we would be asleep at this time? You thought we would be asleep at this time? So he continued doing his tasbih. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud continued doing his tasbih until he thought maybe the sun had now risen. So remember, they'd prayed their fajr and gone to his house. Still dark outside yet, before sunrise. They'd prayed fajr and gone to his house. And they saw Abdullah ibn Mas'ud sitting there making tasbih and doing dhikr. Until Abdullah ibn Mas'ud thought maybe the sun has come up now. So he said to that girl, check, has the sun come up? So she goes and checks and says, no, it hasn't come up yet. Sunrise hasn't occurred yet. So it says in the narration, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud carried on doing his supplications, carried on doing his dhikr. And then after a while, again, he says to the girl, check now. So she goes and checks again. And this time she says, it has come up now. The sun has risen now. So then Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said that all praises to Allah who allowed us to arise on this day and to be alive on this day and did not destroy us with our sins. What is the point of this narration then? The story is basically telling us that they observed Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu engaged in dhikr up until sunrise. He had prayed his fajr, of course, and then he was sitting there doing dhikr up until sunrise. Inna hadha al-athar, inna hadha al-athar, yu'ati al-muta'amila suratan wadihatan wa dalalatan nasi'atan ala tilka al-hayati al-jadda wal-himma al-aliyah wal-istithmar lil-waqt inda salaf al-salih rahimahumullah. The person who focuses on this narration and what happened in this story, the one who focuses on it will see clearly how a person living his life seriously, not as a waste of time and a waste of space, living his life seriously with high levels of effort, high levels of enthusiasm and effort with his life and his targets and what he's aiming for and utilizing his time properly 
a person will see that this is how the Salaf used to be from this narration. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud after Fajr, not wasting his time anywhere, sitting there after Fajr doing dhikr all the way up until sunrise. This is how the Salaf was serious about their time, about worship, about ibadah, how they utilize their time. وَلَا سِيَّمَا الصَّحَابَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ Especially the companions. مَعَ فِقْهٍ مِنْهُمْ بِالْأَوْقَاتِ وَمَعْرِفَةٍ لِأَقْدَارِهَا وَالْفَاضِلِ مِنْهَا وَإِعْطَاءِ كُلِّ ذِي حَقٍ حَقَّهِ The companions they knew when the virtuous times are from the day. And those virtuous times they would focus on their dhikr and dua and worship in them. And so they knew from you, from this narration you can see, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud knew that the time after Fajr, that morning time, is a virtuous time to utilize. فَهَذَا الْوَقْتِ الَّذِي دَخَلَ فِيهِ أَبُوْ وَائِلْ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ وَمَنْ مَعَهُ عَلَى عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ مَسْعُودِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَقْتٌ مُبَارَكٌ وَثَمِينٌ لِلْغَايَةِ So in this narration, Abu Wa'il and who was with him, they went to the house of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud at a blessed and precious time. They went to his house after Fajr prayer, but before sunrise. In that time span there. That is a blessed time and a valuable time. وَهُوَ وَقْتُ ذِكْرٍ لِلَّهِ وَجِدٍ وَنَشَاطٍ وَهِمَّا فِي الْخَيْرِ It is a time for a person to have energy in. And to have his activity in, meaning not to be lazy and lethargic, but to be alive and active and with his worship and dhikr and preoccupied and busy and starting his day with that goodness. However, nowadays the Shaykh says many people they are negligent of this time. And they are wasteful of this time. And they do not know of the level and station and rank of that time, that morning time. So people waste that time either sleeping, or even if they don't sleep, they are just lazy and lethargic and fatigued in the morning still. أو بشغله في التوافه من الأمور في التوافه من الأمور or the person is preoccupied with useless affairs going on doing other things that are useless and time wasting and not really of any benefit مع أن أول اليوم بمنزلة شبابه وآخره بمنزلة شيخوخته ابن القيم mentioned this Ibn al-Qayyim said, the beginning of your day is like your youthhood. And the end of your day is like your old age. Because a person when he's a youth has energy and strength. And when you become in old age, you are weak. So he said, the beginning of your day is like your youthhood. That's when you're supposed to have your energy and strength and do your worship and ibadah and Start utilizing your time properly. Whereas at the end of the day, that's when you're supposed to now be tired and fatigued and becoming somewhat lethargic. So the beginning of the day is like your youngness, your youthness, youthfulness. And the end of the day is like your elderly age, your weakness. وَمَنْ شَبَّ عَلَى شَيْءٍ شَابَ عَلَيْهِ And whomsoever spends his youth upon a certain way, will end up upon the consequences of that in his old age. You spend your youth in a certain way, you will grow old upon the consequences of that way. مَنْ شَبَّ عَلَى شَيْءٍ شَابَ عَلَيْهِ وَلِهَذَا فَإِنَّمَا يَكُونُ مِنَ الْإِنسَانِ فِي بَاكُورَةِ الْيَوْمِ وَأَوَّلِهِ يَنْصَحِبُ عَلَى بَقِيَّةِ يَوْمِ And so the same example is being given about your day. If you start your day upon laziness, 
the rest of your day will continue upon that laziness. But if you start your day with energy and activity and dua and remembrance and that strength in your start to the day, then the rest of your day will be upon that goodness and activity and energy. إِن نَشَاطًا فَنَشَاطًا وَإِن كَسَلًا فَكَسَلًا وَمَنْ أَمْسَكَ بِزِمَامِ الْيَوْمِ وَهُوَ أَوَّلُهُ سَلِمَ لَهُ يَوْمُهُ كُلُّهُ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَعِينَ فِيهِ عَلَى الْخَيْرِ And so the shaykh says, whoever grabs a hold of the reins of his day, like an animal when you have the ropes, whoever gets a hold of his day from the beginning, then he'll be able to control the rest, or the rest of it will then be good for him, and he will be aided upon it. And he will be given blessings in it. وَقَدْ قِيلْ And there's a saying they have, يَوْمُكَ مِتْلُ جَمَلِكَ إِنْ أَمْسَكْتَ أَوَّلَهُ تَبِعَكَ آخِرُ They say that your day is like your camel. That if you get a hold of it from the beginning of it, from the, from the front of it, then it will follow you the rest of it. If you get a hold of your camel properly from the beginning, it will follow you from the rest. And that's the same as your day. If you start your day properly, you get a hold of it from the start after Fajr, the rest of it will be good for you. But if you're lazy at that time and lafajic or sleeping or whatever, then afterwards the rest of your day follows suit in the same way. وَهَذَا الْمَعْنَ مُسْتَفَادٌ مِنْ أَثَرِ ابْنِ مِسْعُودِ الْمُتَقَدِّمُ فَإِنَّهُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ لَمَّا تَحَقَّقَ لَهُ حِفْظُ أَوَّلِ الْيَوْمِ بِالذِّكْرِ قَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي أَقَالَنَا يَوْمَنَا هَذَا وَلَمْ يُهْلِكَنَا بِذُنُوبِنَا وَلَمْ يُهْلِكْنَا بِذُنُوبِنَا And this is indicated from the narration of Ibn Mas'ud. Because Ibn Mas'ud wanted to continue doing that worship up until he was certain sunrise had begun. Because if he stopped before that, that would be like a shortcoming. And maybe the rest of the day would then be upon shortcoming. He wanted to make sure he continued and fulfilled the dhikr all the way up until sunrise so that now he has started fully and properly and the rest of the day will be upon that completeness for him also. And that's why he then made the dua when he realized the sunrise has occurred that alhamdulillah, all praises to Allah that he has given us this day upon the goodness, etc., and he has not destroyed us by our sins. بَلْ إِنَّ الْمُحَافَظَةَ عَلَى الذِّكْرِ فِي هَذَا الْوَقْتِ يُعْطِي الذَّاكِرْ هِمَّةً وَقُوَّةً وَنَشَاطًا فِي يَوْمِهِ كُلِّهِ A person who strives upon preserving and safeguarding his dhikr at that early morning time after Fajr prayer, then it gives you strength and activity and energy for the rest of your day. يقول ابن القيم رحمه الله ابن القيم said حضرت شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية مرة صلى الفجر ثم جلس يذكر الله تعالى إلى قريب من انتصاف النهار ثم التفت إلي وقال هذه غدوتي ولو لم ولو لم تغذى هذا الغذاء سقطت قوتي أو كلاما قريبا من هذا ابن القيم says one time he went to visit or to see شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية his شيخ at Fajr time and he said شيخ الإسلام prayed the Fajr and then he sat there doing remembrance he sat there doing the dhikr of Allah. Up until almost half of the day, the middle of the day. Stayed there doing the dhikr of Allah up until middle of the day or thereabouts. Then, after hours to the middle of the day, finally Shaykh al-Islam turned to Ibn al-Qayyim. Finally he turned to Ibn al-Qayyim and said, This is how my morning is. This is how my morning is. And if I do not take this nutrition of the morning, 
meaning my dhikr and supplication and remembrance and dua, if I don't take this nutrition in the morning, then my strength is taken away. My strength falls. Sakatat uwati. So this is what Ibn al-Qayyim says he saw from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. That he would pray the morning prayer that occasion when he went and he was sat there till the middle of the day. Stayed there doing dhikr and remembrance and dua and Quran etc. Up until the middle of the day. وَقَدْ ثَبَتَ فِي السُنَّةِ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ دَعَ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُبَارِكَ لِأُمَّتِهِ فِي هَذَا الْوَقْتِ It is mentioned in the sunnah, authentic, that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم made dua for Allah to put baraka blessings at that time in the morning. From fajr time up until the sunrise. To put blessings and baraka at that time, the messenger made dua to Allah for that time to have baraka in it. فَقَدْ رَوَى أَبُوْ دَاوُودُ وَالْتِرْمِذِي وَالْدَارِمِي وَغَيْرُهُمْ عَنْ صَخَرِ بْنِ وَدَاعَةِ الْغَامِدِي رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اللهم بارك لأمتي في بكورها رضي الله put blessings for my ummah into their morning. At time after Fajr. وَكَانَ إِذَا بَعَثَ سَرِيَّةً أَوْ جَيْشًا بَعَثَهُمْ أَوَّلَ النَّهَارِ And whenever they were in battle, and the Prophet ﷺ used to send out a battalion of the army, or maybe the full army, when he would send them out, he would send them out at that morning time. At that morning time was when the command would be given to them to go forth. In that morning time, that blessed time. وَكَانَ صَخْرٌ And the companion صَخْرٌ رضي الله عنه was a businessman, تَاجِرًا فَكَانَ يَبْعَثُ تِجَارَتَهُ مِنْ أَوَّلِ النَّهَارِ فَأَثْرَى وَكَثُرَ مَالُهُ Sakhrun, one of the companions, radiallahu anhu, was a businessman. And it is mentioned about him that he used to send out his business, he used to uh, get that arranged and his goods sent out to the market or whatever. He used to get that done and organize that in the morning time. To have those goods sent out in the morning time. And it's mentioned that as a consequence, he became rich. فَأَثْرَى he became rich, وَكَثُرَ مَالُهُ And he had a lot of money and wealth. وَقَدْ رَوَى هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ جَمْعٌ مِنَ الصُّحَابَةِ مِنْهُمْ عَلِي بْنِ أَبِي طَالِبِ And this particular hadith is reported by multiple companions. Ali ibn Abi Talib, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Mas'ud, Ibn Umar, Abu Huraira, Anas ibn Malik, Abdullah ibn Salam, وَالنَّوَاسِ بْنِ سَمْعَانِ وَعَمْرَانِ بْنِ حُسَيْنِ وَجَابِرِ بْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ وَغَيْرُهُمْ رضي الله عنهم أجمعين وهو حديث ثابت عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم That narration, Allahumma barik l'ummati fi bukuratiha wa fi bukuriha That, oh Allah, put blessing into my ummah for its morning time It's narrated by multiple companions, all of those mentioned there And the companion who narrated this version, Sakhar He's the one who then used to send out his goods in the morning time because of this narration. And he ended up becoming rich, it is mentioned. وَنَظَرًا لِأَهْمِيَّةِ هَذَا الْوَقْتِ وَعِظَمِ بَرَكَاتِهِ وَكَثْرَةِ مَا فِيهِ مِنْ خَيْرِ فَإِنَّ السَّلَفَ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ كَانُوا يَكْرَهُونَ النَّوْمَ فِيهِ وَإِضَاعَتَهُ بِالْكَسَلْ وَالْعَجْزِ so taking into consideration the, the greatness of this time and the barakah, the blessing of this time and the great amount of goodness in this time from Fajr up until sunrise, that early morning, the Salaf used to dislike, they used to hate sleeping at that time or wasting that time in laziness. They used to hate sleeping at that time or wasting it in laziness. يقول ابن القيم رحمه الله وهو العلامة المربي في كتابه مدارج السالكين ومن المكروه عندهم أي الصلف رحمهم الله 
النوم بين صلاة الصبح وطلوع الشمس. He said it was something disliked to the Salaf, makruh, disliked and hated amongst the Salaf, to sleep after the Fajr prayer up until the sunrise, that morning period of time. فَإِنَّهُ وَقْتُ غَنِيمًا Because that is a time to profit. It is a time to profit from. وَلِسَّيْرِ ذَلِكَ الْوَقْتِ عِنْدَ السَّالِكِينَ مَزِيَّةً نعم فَإِنَّهُ وَقْتُ غَنِيمًا وَلِسَّيْرِ ذَلِكَ الْوَقْتِ عِنْدَ السَّالِكِينَ مَزِيَّةً عَظِيمًا حَتَّى لَوْ سَارُوا طُولَ لَيْلِهِمْ لم يسمحوا بالقعود عن السير ذلك الوقت حتى تطلع الشمس and those who were traveling people who were traveling they would make sure that at that time of the day they were upon their travel also even if they had been traveling all night then they would not sit and relax at that time until the sun rose because innahu awwalun nahari wa miftahu wa waqtu nuzul al-arzaq wa husul al-qasm wa hulul al-baraka wa minhu yansha'u an-nahar wa insahibu hukmu jami'ihi ala hukmi tilka al-hissah fayanbaghi an yakuna nawmuha ka nawm al-mudhar because that time of the morning is the key to the day. And it is the time when the barakah descends. And the time where uh, uh, the beginning of the day starts. And the, what happens at that time of the day will then follow through and occur for the rest of the day. If it is goodness, then goodness. If it is laziness, then the rest of the day upon laziness. وَمِنَ الْآثَارِ الْوَارِدَةِ عَنِ السَّلَفِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ فِي هَذَا الْمَعْنَى مَا رُوِيَ عَنْ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَبَّاسِ رضي الله عنهما أنه رأى ابنا له نائما نومة الصبح فقال له قم أتنام في الساعة التي تقسم فيه الأرزاق There is a narration mentioned, Ibn Al-Qayyim mentioned it in Zad Al-Ma'ad that on one occasion Abdullah ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما saw one of his sons Sleeping at that morning time. He saw one of his sons asleep at that morning time. So he said to him, Qum, get up. Qum, are you sleeping at the time when the rizq is being apportioned to the people? Are you sleeping at the time when the rizq is being apportioned to the people? وَرُوِيَ عَنْ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَمَرْ بْنِ الْعَاصِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّهُ قَالَ النَّوْمُ عَلَى فَلَاثَ But then he mentions as well that in the previous one, you only sleep at that time out of necessity. If there was some necessity, some necessity called for it, then maybe you sleep. But otherwise it is not a time you choose to sleep in. وَرُوِيَ عَنْ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَمْرِ بْنِ الْعَاصِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّهُ قَالَ النَّوْمُ عَلَى ثَلَاثَةِ أَوْجُهُ نوم خرق ونوم خلق ونوم حمق فأما النوم الخرق فنومة الضحى يقضي الناس حوائجهم وهو نائم وأما النوم الخلق فنوم القائلة نصف النهار وأما نوم الحمق فنوم حين تحضر الصلاة he mentioned here about the three types of sleep. That one is known as the nom al-khurq. And that is when a person sleeps in mid-morning time. In the mid-morning time, in the, the morning time as we call it, morning. Because that is the time when everybody's out there doing their job and working and you're asleep. That's when you go out to work and you're asleep. And as for the nom al-khurq, then that is the person who sleeps in the middle of the day. And as for the normal humk, the foolishness, is the one who sleeps at the times of the prayers. يقول العلامة بن القيم رحمه الله في كتابه زاد المعاد والنوم الصبح يمنع الرزق. 
Sleeping in the morning, that morning barakah time, prevents your rizq. It prevents your rizq. لِأَنَّ ذَلِكَ وَقْتٌ تُطْلَبُ فِيهِ الْخَ... أو تَطْلُبُ فِيهِ الْخَلِيقَةُ أَرْزَاقَهَا Because that is the time when the creation is making dua for the rizq. وَهُوَ وَقْتُ قِسْمَةِ الْأَرْزَاقَ And it is a time when the rizq is dis- uh, distributed amongst the people. فَنَوْمُهُ حَرْمَانٌ إِلَّا لِعَارِذٍ وَضُرُورَةٌ So sleeping at that time is a deprivation for your rizq. Unless there was some necessity or some need. وَهُوَ مُضِرٌ جِدًّا بِالْبَدَنِ لِإِرْخَائِهِ الْبَدَنِ وَإِفْسَادِهِ الْفَضَلَاتِ الَّتِي يَنْبَغِي تَحْلِيلُهَا بِالْرِيَاضَةِ فَيُحْدِثُ تَكَسُّرًا وَعِيًّا وَضَعْفًا وَإِنْ كَانَ قَبْلَ التَّبَعَةِ So the shaykh says here, sleeping at that time in the morning is actually harmful to your body. It is harmful to your body sleeping at that time. And he even talks about uh, the usage of the toilet and uh, cleaning out your intestines. And if you're sleeping at that time, it is not good. Even from those aspects, medically and biologically, that it is not suitable and befitting for a person to sleep in that early morning time. That is actually from Ibn al-Qayyim. That is actually the statement of Ibn al-Qayyim. That sleeping at that time is harmful for your body. And he talks about the need for the toilet. And if a person hasn't used the toilet and the food of the previous day is still in your intestines, etc. Sleeping at that time in the morning, all of that is harmful to the body of a person. And it brings about illnesses to a person. وَبِهَذَا يَتَبَيَّنُ قِيمَةُ هَذَا الْوَقْتِ الْمُبَارَكِ وَعِظَمُ نَفْعِهِ وَأَنَّهُ وَقْتُ جِدٍّ وَنَشَاطٍ So this indicates to us the value of that time and that it is a time to have energy in and a time where barakah is in it and a time to seek your rizq from Allah, to make dua. And that's why the salaf, they used to give so much importance to that early morning time. And this is something you can try to get into the habit of. Now Ramadan is coming. It gives you a good opportunity to try and get into that habit of staying awake after the Fajr prayer, making dua, doing supplication, and organizing your timetable somehow to be able to fit the sleep in at other times and the night and maybe take a nap during the day. A person tries to organize his time. And then outside of Ramadan as well, to maintain that, to try and maintain that and organize the time in a way that you can perhaps sleep at other times rather than straight after the Fajr prayer. If possible, sometimes there is a necessity. We know in this country the way the Fajr times occur in the summer, it becomes very difficult uh, because then you have to again wake up early for work and other things. So a person tries his best. In winter there is no excuse. In winter in this country there is no excuse. In winter in this country a person is sleeping after Fajr Then what can you say but miskin Fajr is like 6.30, o'clock in the morning It is actually difficult It's harder to make yourself fall asleep at that time than just stay awake It's harder to make yourself fall asleep than stay awake How can you try to make yourself fall asleep at 7.30 in the morning? At 8 o'clock in the morning, it's time to wake up. The birds are singing and you're trying to fall asleep. In the winter, there's no excuse. A person can easily organize their timetable. Uh, Isha is like 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Fajr, 7 p.m. 12 hours in between. Go to bed early. Wake up early. Stay awake after Fajr. It makes no sense to sleep after Fajr in winter in this country. When Fajr is from 6 a.m., 6.30, 7, 7.30. How can a person be sleeping after that? Summertime, you know, it becomes difficult. A person may have some excuse. Fajr is 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. And maybe the time is so short and he has to get up again for work at 6 a.m. Sometimes it may not be possible to stay awake too long. But a person tries to the best of his ability what he's able to do. But in the winter times when the Fajr is later, there's really no excuse. Everybody should be striving and aiming for that. So that is where we'll conclude for today's lesson. And that is actually the last one now for until after Ramadan. 
There is no more classes now till after Ramadan. During Ramadan now it's not possible because obviously iftar time is white on, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. It's impossible to try and do a lesson and then people have to eat and go to taraweeh. Uh, a few years ago we used to do it because Maghrib used to be like 8.30, p.m. But now it's like 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock. It becomes very difficult. So there won't be any of these classes going on during Ramadan. Next week as well, there's no class because next week there's an event happening in Sheffield. Sheffield down the M1. The brothers in Sheffield are holding a telelink with one of the mashayikh, Sheikh Mustafa Mabram, from the senior students of Sheikh Muqbil. He was uh, in Yemen there for a decade or so and now lives in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Sheikh Mustafa Mabram, Hafizahullah, he's going to give a telelink next uh, Sunday at 6.30 p.m. straight after Maghrib in the Masjid in Sheffield, Masjid al-Huda. Uh, and then there's going to be some food and refreshments afterwards as well. So everybody next week, there's no class here. If you can make it there, go and try and make it there to Sheffield. See the brothers there, meet everyone, see the mosque, listen to the telelink of one of the scholars or one of the mashayikh. So that will be a beneficial thing for everybody to try and do next week. And like I said, there's refreshments and food afterwards as well. Nobody wants to miss out on those things, obviously. So whoever can try and make it for that, try and make it there next week. There won't be a class here. It's just going to be that next week, Sunday, inshallah. And then after that, it's Ramadan. And then after Ramadan, we'll come back to this, inshallah ta'ala. Any uh, questions or anything else on that? That's not proper. The adhan is supposed to be at the time of the prayer. In the dukhul al-waqt. When the time comes in, you're supposed to do the adhan, not late. Why, why do it late? It's not correct for a mosque to set the adhan time late. Why would you set it late? Uh, when the time comes in, you should try to do it when the time comes in. Um, if it is done late, it doesn't mean that it's a problem. Because maybe some mosques, the way they put their fajr time, their jama'ah time, maybe it's half an hour, 40 minutes after the time enters. Because you don't have to pray fajr as soon as the time enters. You can pray later, as long as it is within the time. So maybe because of that reason, the mu'addin goes in late and does the adhan half an hour after the time entered. As long as the people know what the time is, they know what the entry time actually is. Then if the adhan is done later, maybe for some reason they do it later. But as long as the time is known, the time is the key. Everybody must know when Fajr time starts because otherwise maybe people look at this timetable or something and they carry on uh, uh, eating till that adhan time, but that's already half an hour after the khul waqt al-Fajr. So you have to be careful with those things. Everything in the sunnah, hmm. everything in the sunnah, or speech of the scholars is about um, how much sleep, like, how much sleep one should get. I don't know about uh, specific time amounts, like in hours. But uh, the only time I ever heard one of the scholars talking about it was Sheikh Abdul Razak one time, and he was saying, "Look, if you think about your lives." A third of your life is spent in sleep. No matter how long you live, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, a third of it will have been spent in sleep. And that is based upon the general, general mathematics of in every 24 hours you sleep, 8 hours. And 8 hours is a lot. Uh, maybe as you get older, you sleep less. But a person gets the amount of sleep he requires. They say Sheikh al-Albani towards the end of his life only used to sleep four hours a night. Three hours, four hours a night and that was it. So you sleep the amount that is needed but not excessive. So the general kind of figures they talk about, six hours, seven hours, eight hours. That is possible and it is doable as long as a person is waking up for Fajr, doing all the rest of the things. Six, seven, eight hours is about the average everybody is going to mention. Even when the scholars they're mentioning it, it's about that which Sheikh Abdul Razak said a third of your life. Sheikh, you know, the, uh, on multiple umrah, some people say, for right to go, must Aisha to do it. Yeah, many, uh, some of the scholars don't allow that. 
because they say that was specific to Aisha radiallahu anha when she was on her period, etc. And then afterwards she went there. So they say that was specific to her. So some scholars don't allow you to go to Masjid Aisha and do Umrah again. They say if you really have to, imagine you go to Mecca, do Umrah, then go to Medina. Then you come back to Mecca, you can do an Umrah like that maybe. But uh, going from Mecca out to Masjid Aisha, coming back and doing Umrah, going out to Aisha, coming back. Some scholars don't agree with that. Hmm. The words of Allah, Kalamullah. Kalamullah we know is a sifa min sifatillah azza wa jal. Just like the Quran. The Quran is Kalamullah, ghayru makhluq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. Allah speaks. He spoke to Musa alayhi salam. He spoke to Muhammad sallallahu He speaks in the heavens. It's mentioned about the angels. Ida sami'u. When they hear the uh, revelation from Allah. When Allah gives the revelation. So Allah speaks. Kalamullah is a sifa from the sifatillah. So this is just generally talking about the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the greatness of the speech of Allah, and that it cannot be restricted by even the ocean's amount of ink, such is the greatness of the speech of Allah. All right. Uh. Regarding the timetables for, for in Ramadan, is it like, let's say in a city, do you just go with your local mosque or do you follow the mosque that is closest to the Sunnah in your city? A city depends as well. A city could be huge, could be small. But uh, within your region, let's say. Yeah. That could be your city, could be less than your city, could be more than your city. But within your region, uh, uh, you should try to follow the timetable that has been judged or made in the most accurate way. Ideally, if a person or people in a mosque have actually gone and tried to look for the sunrise and the, the Fajr time and they've actually tried to go and look and work it out, that's maybe the most accurate if possible. But if not, then you, you stick to the mosque where they have the most accurate timetable uh, based upon the accurate methods of checking rather than mosques where they just go off the, the charts you get from weather stations and everything else and they've never checked anything in their life and then they make all those fajr times at 1 a.m. and everything as well so stick to the the mosques that are up on the sunnah the is the closest but how do you figure how do you yourself figure that out do you go and ask them aside themselves like how do you calculate times uh, i mean the times for uh the stop time the the entry time the entry time for fajr Usually, as a general rule of thumb, it's going to be around about 90 minutes or 100 minutes before uh, uh, sunrise time. So, you know, calendars that are there or thereabouts that amount, 90 minutes before sunrise, 100 minutes before sunrise, that's roughly where it's going to be. So then a few minutes here, a few minutes there, uh, it doesn't make a huge difference. The timetable is only a guideline. So if you wanted to perhaps be safe, you've got a few minutes here, a few minutes there, just stop on the earlier time. But two minutes earlier rather than two minutes later. If you want to keep the, the ihtiyat, as they say. Uh, a question from my mother. Uh, she was asking that my grandmother recently passed away, her mother. And uh, <coughs> so the subcontinent, some of the women, they don't know that you have to make up for the fast that you have to Ramadan. So she was asking that over the period of her entire life, she never made up the fast that she used to miss. Mm. So that was like a period of about 35 to 40 years, roughly. So she was asking if she she wanted to make up for all those fasts. So she fasts every Monday and Thursday. So she was like, every Monday and Thursday, she'd keep the intention of making those up. Those obligatory fast. fasts for her mother. Yes, <coughs> the ones that she missed during her youth, basically. Mm. Um, so are these fasts actually supposed to be made up or are these excused the fasts that were missed out of ignorance? So the mother missed them because she just didn't know that those seven days, eight days, whatever it is, every month you have to make them up afterwards. She didn't know. Yeah. Uh, the, the topic of whether you make up the fasts for somebody who missed them for Ramadan, there is an opinion of the scholars that it can be done. مَنْ مَاتَ وَعَلَيْهِ صَيَامْ صَامَ عَنْهُ وَلِيُّهُ The hadith says whoever dies and he has fasting to make up, his next of kin makes them up for him. 
There's an opinion of the scholars that it can be done for Ramadan fasts. But there's another opinion that it's only for fasts where a vow was made. Somebody vowed they were going to fast some days next week, but then they died. So then the next of kin can do that vow on their behalf. Some scholars say it's only that. So they say you don't make up Ramadan ones. But there is an opinion. One of the opinions does exist that yes, you make up the Ramadan ones and the next of kin makes them up. Upon that opinion, it's a valid action. Upon that opinion, it's a valid action to make up the fasts for the next of kin. Does she feed the poor for every day or does she just makes up the fast? Mm, that, is only, that depends because the only issue is, is the mother excused because of ignorance? She didn't know the ruling. So maybe some scholars will say she's excused from that due to ignorance. Otherwise, normally the ruling would be you have to give fidya as well because they were supposed to have been made up before the next Ramadan came. But Allah Alam, in that kind of circumstance, maybe some scholars may say she is excused from ignorance from that. But even the making up, it's you know, it's debated over whether it has to be done or not. There's an opinion that says do it. If she wants to fast and also feel like she's free to do that, she can do that. Yeah. It is possible as a general charity as well, even if not otherwise. Alright, we'll stop on that for today then Inshallah ta'ala For those who uh, make it, we'll see you next week in Sheffield Others after Ramadan, Inshallah